Hi, my friend, and welcome back to the podcast. I am so glad that you pressed play on this episode because it's a good one. But first, I want to thank you genuinely for being a listener of this show. I truly appreciate you, and I do this for you. So keep on listening, keep on reviewing, and subscribing, and I will keep creating for you. I'm Carmen. I'm a certified life coach, a special ed teacher, and an ADHDer. I created this podcast to create awareness around the newest research about ADHD to help us live the lives that we want to live. So let's get started. So I'm guessing you pressed play on this topic or this episode today because of the title, ADHD and Anxiety. It's that simple. That's what we're talking about today, but it's really not that simple because ADHD and anxiety have a lot of connections, similarities, and overlaps. There are some differences in the two disorders. You might be asking why. Why are we? talking about this connection. Maybe you clicked on it because you were curious or you just wanted to learn more about what you could possibly be going through. Well, this is why. Because in my own experience, in clients that I've had and friends, having one and or the other makes it extremely hard to correctly diagnose either. The symptoms, negative outcomes, and the way that we as humans just describe anxiety, it overlaps with ADHD in so many ways. So my aim this episode is to give a little explanation, some insight, what you can do, and some strategies that you can work with, or that I work with, because in my own experiences, I was diagnosed with anxiety and depression first, actually a couple years before receiving my full, correct diagnosis. I know several people who had this happen to them or had a similar experience. And I just don't think that this should be the case anymore. Because the big why behind why I decided to write this episode is because too many doctors take you in and treat the symptoms and not spend enough time evaluating your actual disorder, and that needs to stop. Hey listener, if you're enjoying this show, you should totally subscribe to it so that you can see when new episodes pop right up into your feed. In Spotify, if you go up at the top and hit click follow, it'll notify you every time there's a new episode. Then, really quick, as you're listening to this, right under the follow little um, bubble, there's a rating bubble. If you could just rate this podcast and give some feedback, 
possibly maybe answer the poll question that's underneath the podcast, I would really, really appreciate it. I hope that you're enjoying whatever you're doing today or tonight. Have a great one. Now, that might not sound like a super big issue, like, okay, well, what is wrong with treating the symptoms? The issue here is that ADHD is a spectrum disorder, meaning it shows up differently for all people. When we see these misdiagnoses and or incorrect or incomplete diagnoses, it's usually, not always, but usually connected to being female. This happens to males too, but it's just at a higher rate in females. And we are more frequently misdiagnosed, diagnosed later in life, and or need to find several doctors to finally get the right treatment. Again, why is this so important? Because when the ADHD is actually the main problem, which by the way, it always is, everything else is a comorbidity of the ADHD because it's the disorder, it needs to be treated first. ADHD comes along with comorbid conditions. So you could very well have ADHD and anxiety. I personally have ADHD, anxiety, and situational depression. But the said comorbid condition, anxiety, when ADHD goes untreated, those comorbidities can get worse. The medications and the strategies probably won't work because the main condition isn't being treated. I'm going to show how this can happen by going through Dr. Amen's seven types of ADHD. I reference this in one of my previous podcasts that talks about what is ADHD really, because <laughs> there's in the DSM-5, there's only three types. And I want to talk about Dr. Amen's seven types and how they present themselves and why this can confuse a doctor with a different disorder. I just want to put an insert here. I am not a doctor. I am a teacher of preschool. <laughs> I am a life coach. I am a fellow ADHDer and lifelong learner. All of the research done in this podcast is double-checked. All of the things that I talk about are from my experience, from things that I've read, highlighted, read again, and fact-checked. I am not a doctor, so if you feel that you have ADHD or some other mental health condition, please, in my opinion, seek a psychologist for a full evaluation for the purposes of this episode. So, with that being said, in the DSM-5, there are three types of ADHD. They're called inattentive, hyperactive, and the combination type. When I was first diagnosed, they said I was primarily inattentive. I have been reassessed since then, and I show up as a combination type. But once we get into the seven, I will explain further. So, this seven 
Dr. Amon's research, the seven types, because it explains how ADHD can show up differently for each individual person. To me, it feels like a more accurate description because it is such a large spectrum. When I, the more that I learn about ADHD, I learn that it overlaps with so many different other conditions. I have issues with sensory processing, and that's usually uh, something that's paired with autism spectrum disorder. Now, am I on the autism spectrum? I don't think so. But ADHD does share a lot of symptoms with other disorders. Here's just a general one that I can give you just from my life that I know comes from my ADHD but is exacerbated by my anxiety. Negative thought loops. But I get ahead of myself. I get ahead of myself. So let's dig in to the seven types of ADD that Dr. Amon presents and how they can be misperceived. Hey, ADHD. If you want to dive it deeper into these concepts, head to my show notes to join the Adult ADHD Program for Adults by Kristen Carter. Focused. It's amazing and it's changed my life and it can change yours too. Head to the show notes and get $50 off your first payment. You won't regret it. So the first one is the only one that doesn't usually go misdiagnosed or undiagnosed because it's the classic ADD, um, which is defined in the DSM-5 as ADHD. Um, I do reference this in the old the other episode. Uh, I just want to clarify for... Uh, if you didn't hear the other episode or if you're unfamiliar with this, with Dr. Amon's work, he referred to ADHD as ADD, the older term for it, so to as, as to not imply that hyperactivity, the H in ADHD, was part of the disorder. Okay, <clears throat> so his number two... Uh, the second one on the list was inattentive ADD. The space cadet, the chatty Kathy, have you? The slow moving, forgetful, and the easily distracted. This type doesn't look like the stereotypical hyperactive ADHD boy bouncing off the walls. It's usually more looks like daydreamy, looks like, um, <laughs> Report cards might say things like, works really hard, but just doesn't reach potential. Uh, does well on homework when she remembers to turn it in, or when she doesn't lose it. Um, is super kind and does great work, but talks too much in class. Are just a few examples. Um, this is uh, usually missed in children in childhood, and it's difficult to diagnose in adulthood. 
Uh, the rest of the types that follow display most all of the symptoms of classic ADD, but also have added difficulties, which I'll hi highlight. It's these added difficulties that make us all look incredibly different, hence the spectrum disorder. And that usually could lead to an incomplete or misdiagnosis. Usually. Not all the time. I'm just saying for information. So the third type is called over-focused ADD. This type includes a habit of getting stuck in negative thought loops, having a really hard time shifting or transitioning your attention from one thing to another. So um, getting like super mad or getting like super uh, rigid in your routines. Um, Over-focused ADHDers demonstrate excessive worry. They're really inflexible and they are often diagnosed either correctly or incorrectly with OCD because it could be a comorbid condition. You may have both, but an incomplete diagnosis leads, leads to an incomplete treatment in my very humble opinion. The fourth type that Dr. Amen researched was the temporal lobe ADD. This type of ADD adds the symptoms such as irritability, a quick temper, aggression, dark thoughts, mood instability, and sometimes like mild paranoia. <laughs> As children, this can be missing misdiagnosed completely for oppositional defiant disorder. This is super interesting because oppositional defiant disorder is classified as being part of ADHD and the two travel together according to Dr. Russell Barkley. But I shall mind my business. In adulthood, this can be misdiagnosed as solely bipolar disorder, major depressive disorder, and other mood disorders. It's not surprising because of how it can sometimes present. The fifth type that Dr. Amon studied was the limbic ADD. Now, if you haven't guessed by now, temporal lobe, limbic, these are all the different areas of the brain. So not only does the ADD affect the prefrontal cortex, it also in turn affects these other areas of the brain more. So the limbic ADD includes chronic sadness that doesn't necessarily meet the criteria for depression, but the negativity, low energy, feelings of hopelessness, worthlessness, and low self-esteem present strongly similar to depression disorders. This usually leads to a misdiagnosis in the beginning and sometimes a complete just missed ADD altogether. Number six, we are at mine, the one that I have been reevaluated at um, by a psychologist uh, who did do Dr. Amon's study. Um, I am the ring of fire, ADD, and no, I'm not making that up. Oh, ring of fire, ADHD, ADD. Oh, it's overactive. All parts of the brain are on. The classic ADD symptoms are uh, amplified. 
and um, I'm extremely distractible. I can get irritable. I can get angry. I have heightened emotions. And I'm sensitive to sensory stimuli, such as noise, light, and touch. This type is highly inflexible, very verbal, argumentative, and the mood shifts happen fast, sometimes several times a day. Now, with a high-functioning person like me and the Ring of Fire ADD and lots of strategies and lots and lots and lots of therapy and coaching, continuous coaching, specific coaching, ADD coaching, um, I can thrive. Uh, Ring of Fire ADD is usually the worst type and people usually have a hard time holding down a job. I am lucky and I work hard. So the seventh type of ADD is the most related to the topic of this episode and it's called anxious ADD. This type is one that gets misdiagnosed as anxiety solely because of the added emotional dysregulation, tension, worry, thought loops of anxious thoughts and worry, um, situations, and etc., 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 things that they anticipate the worst um, in everything. They have thought loops of irrational thought. Uh, they can also exhibit physical symptoms such as headaches, upset stomach, nausea, and freezing in anxiety-inducing situations. So a lot of times this is misdiagnosed. Um, and if you've been listening this far, I want to just insert here that I have a special announcement that I will be starting a co-hosting podcast with my friend Kelly called The Chatty Chicks. And it will be centralized on ADHD and anxiety and other disorders. And just like what we deal with as teachers, and it's going to be fun. So watch out for that. Anyways, why did I spend so much time on those seven types of ADHD? Or ADD, I'm sorry. It's not in the DSM-5. So most doctors don't use this information. And if you didn't notice, please rewind and just write down some of the symptoms that you notice may go along with the anxiety disorder or OCD or depression because almost all of the symptoms of a generalized anxiety disorder, some symptoms of OCD and depression were mentioned in one or more of the types. And this all really comes down to getting a full and accurate evaluation to get all of your correct diagnoses so that you can be on the treatment plan to help you in the best ways. Another point that I really want to make is that when being diagnosed later in life, anxiety has already built up from past experiences of not meeting expectations, being called to attention a lot, and the feeling of being different but having no idea why and no support. That makes the anxiety worse and it can possibly create another comorbid condition such as depression or generalized anxiety disorder or panic disorder. So what can we do? 
again, I'm not a doctor, but I suggest that you seek therapy and seek a full evaluation by a psychologist. Again, seek a full evaluation by a psychologist. Some other things that have helped me personally with my anxiety and my ADHD are separating the facts and the drama slash the emotions, writing it out and separating it and making it not moral. Um, knowing the personal symptoms for me for the different mental health issues that I have. I journal daily, twice a day. I also engage in personal development. Uh, I don't know any other way to describe that other than developing myself by reading books and listening to podcasts, etc. Um, I also practice self-care, real self-care, like getting enough sleep, taking care of my body. I've also become a like really, really intrigued with self-awareness and being super self-aware. So I make time visible. I am, have started timing myself on things. I've started working on my money issues, like things that I never, like that are cringy for me to say because I don't really, I don't like any of these things and it makes me feel uncomfortable in my body. But I've made action plans for things I know come up whether for my ADHD, anxiety, depression, like knowing my own triggers and having something I know I can pull up visually to remind me, it's really been helping. So make action plans for yourself and write them down and make them easy to access. Meditation, I know, I know. It's one of those things everybody says, but it really does work to ground yourself. And yes, I still do have to use guided meditation. And yes, I still do physically sit on the ground. Um, working out, I have a whole two episodes on why that works. And then eating mindfully. Notice, I didn't say eating healthy or eating with a diet. I said eating mindfully. Fuel your body. Don't hurt it. And... The last one that I've recently learned, because I'm getting older and I've pulled a muscle recently, then tried to work out way too fast afterwards, is stretching and yoga. Those are great things. That's practicing some great self-care there. So, it is Sunday night and I'm getting ready for an awesome week with my preschoolers and I hope that you have an awesome week too. That's all I have for now. Stay authentic, my friends.